unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
Good morning to everyone. It's good to see all of you that are here this morning. We deeply appreciate you being here. And I've seen a lot of visitors this morning. I'm glad to have all the visitors with us, particularly some are back visiting home during this particular time of the year. So we, we appreciate you being here and all of you being here this, this morning. And I guess you know why we have so many empty pews. The lads, the leaders groups have been gone this weekend, be coming back today. Uh, somewhere between 130 and 140, I think, is what attended over there. And uh, had some really good results from all of our kids, the things that they entered, been very successful, and we're thankful for that. <clears throat> Particularly thankful for all the people who work so hard during the year to help them prepare for the events that they participate in. I want to remind you, please, if you attend the pew, pass the clipboard down. It has our attendance uh, on it, so please fill that out if you don't mind doing that so we can have a good record of our attendance. And, of course, Brother Ken is away with the group at Atlanta Leaders, so Brother Doug Smith will be preaching for us today, and we're thankful for him to be here to uh, fill in when Ken is gone today. Let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the day you blessed us with. We're thankful that you've granted us the health that we can be here today. We're so thankful for each person that's here today. We especially thank you for visitors and the opportunities that they have to come back to their home and be with their family and spend some time with family. And Father, we want to remember and pray for safety for all the people that's returning from to leaders back to Boonville for this evening. We pray that they'll all have a safe journey. And we're thankful for the opportunity that these people have, these young people have to participate in the, in the leaders program. We pray that much spiritual growth can come from this and will be beneficial as they grow older to help them to remain faithful to the church. And Father, we pray for Brother Doug today as he comes to bring a lesson to us. We pray that as we enter his worship service, we'll participate where we should. And Father, we thank you so much for the many blessings we have at this congregation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. If you're singing out of the book, you may want to turn to number 354 for the first song, 354. I gave my life for thee. <clears throat>
Next song will be number 344. 344. Low in the grave, he like. Let us pray together this morning. Our most gracious and loving Father, we approach your throne this morning, Father, with hearts filled with gratitude, knowing you are an awesome God, the creator of all life. Father, we're so thankful for all the spiritual blessings through your Son. We pray as we worship a risen Savior today, Father, that we will do so in a manner that's pleasing and acceptable to thee. We pray, Father, we'll always give you the honor and glory. Father, we love you so much and just so thankful for your son, your one and only son who came to this earth, and so thankful for the plan of salvation that was 
put in place on the cross. Father, we pray that you'll be with all those and the lads to leaders. We pray for a safe journey home for them. So thankful for all the teachers, the educators, and all the hard work that they put in and their everlasting God influence upon all the kids. We just thank you so much for that program, Father. Father, we pray today for all those who are on the bulletin, that's on our hearts today, Father, that need our prayers. We pray for all the, the ones that are sick, those who are shut-ins, those who are in treatments. We pray your blessings be upon them and upon the caregivers there, Father, that you give them the strength and courage to, to, for good health. We love you, Father, so much, and we just continue to praise you for all your love for us and that we can call you our Heavenly Father. Father, we <clears throat> pray for all those in uh, conflict in Russia and Ukraine. We pray for comfort for those who are suffering, and we pray for those who are hurt that you will heal them, Father, and those families that are displaced and just all the loved ones that they fear for their lives. We just pray, Father, that you'll use us, and we just pray that you'll hear our prayers. Father, we pray that we'll go through this week and we'll display the fruit of the Spirit. We pray, Father, we'll go about telling the good news. In Christ's name we pray, amen. <clears throat> You may want to go ahead and mark the invitation song number in your book if you're singing from the books. And that'll be number 907, 907, Hark the Gentle Voice. The song before the lesson this morning will be Victory in Jesus, 470.
be reading from 1 John, verses 16 and 17, and I'll be reading the English Standard Version. 1 John, verses 16 and 17. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You may remember last time I ran ahead of the scripture reader. I had forgotten about the fact that we were going to have a scripture reading, and I can assure you that was never going to happen again, and I didn't forget about it today. We're so glad you're here this morning. It's a wonderful Lord's Day to be able to assemble to worship God, and we are indeed grateful that you are here today. Uh, if you are our guest today, we are honored to have you. And uh, we hope that uh, you'll enjoy your stay with us. We are certainly uh, missing <clears throat> the bunch that's away in Little Rock today. Uh, when you take 130 or 40 away from a congregation, you can see and feel the impact of that. But uh, we certainly are proud of all those for what they've accomplished this weekend. And we wish them safe travels as they come back to us uh, this afternoon. I hope you'll come back tonight and... Be with us for our Bible classes at 5 o'clock. You will certainly be uplifted and have an opportunity for spiritual growth if you'll come back uh, this evening at 5 o'clock. You know, the life and ministry of Jesus Christ brought sweeping changes to Galilee and Judea. Jesus came to a people that were bound to the law of Moses and to a myriad of customs and traditions that had been built up around the law. And it was into this particular setting that Jesus Christ came on the scene. In John 1 and verse 14, the Bible says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Jesus founded His ministry on a different system than Moses. Moses had given the law as commanded by God. Jesus Christ brought grace and truth and put them into flesh. And in doing so, Jesus lived the kind of life that he wants all of us to live today, a life that's based upon the marvelous grace of God. Now, the Apostle John goes on to Describe the life of Jesus down in verse 16. He said, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. John says here that believers have received the fullness of Christ. And in doing so, they have great grace heaped upon them. Whereas Moses brought the law which could not save, Jesus brought a powerful new lifestyle that made grace and truth a living reality. You know, the grace of God, as established in Christ Jesus our Lord, is a remarkable thing. You know, we sing about the amazing grace of our God. But I don't think we really understand just how amazing that grace really is. I think we take that for granted. You know, grace is not some abstract concept that 
God uses to explain away our sin. Instead, grace is the very mechanism that forgives and justifies and empowers man to live above sin. The power of God's grace is truly amazing in many ways. I don't think it's possible for our finite minds today to truly understand the power and what an amazing concept God's grace really is. In the first place today, may I suggest to you that God's grace can save anyone. You know, every day when we turn on the news or we're reading social media, we hear reports that seem to reflect a declining world today. It's sad to hear about so many children who are abused or murdered. We read about family members that are killed for insurance settlements. There's tremendous violence that is taking place on the streets of our cities and towns in this country. Drugs and violence have become somewhat commonplace in schools throughout our nation. And I'm going to be honest with you, in the short few months that I've been here at Boonville, I've been astounded at what a serious drug problem that we have in this area. I've already seen how it destroys individual lives. It destroys families. I think about those precious innocent children that have to suffer tremendous pain emotionally, physically, mentally because of the addictive nature of drugs. We hear about the corruption. We hear about scandal all the time locally and Nationwide, we see that sexual immorality is running rampant in our country. We think about the legalization of same-sex marriage. We hear terms like transgender that were almost unknown over a decade ago. There's just so many things today that reflect a declining moral world in which we live. And we don't have to listen very long. We don't have to, to hear much of the news before we become greatly disturbed about the terrible moral condition that we see all around us. But did you know what can solve all this? You know what can take away the sin? God's grace is powerful enough to redeem anyone. You think about the one that may have committed the most heinous acts you can possibly imagine. Those guilty of abuse, murder, addiction, those guilty of violence, all of them can be redeemed by God's grace. The writer of Hebrews said in chapter 2 and verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. Now, I think it's difficult for us, with our finite minds, to really comprehend just how far God's grace can go. But grace can reach the worst sinner, and grace can save that individual from his sin. 
No matter how badly one may have lived his life, one can find forgiveness in the death of Jesus Christ. And you know, grace works the same in every life. You know, when the Gentiles back in the first century were being added to the Lord's church, many of those Jewish Christians greatly protested. And these Jewish Christians wanted to compel these new Gentile converts to accept Jewish laws and customs before they could even become New Testament Christians. They had a big discussion about this in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And notice what the Bible says beginning in verse 7. It says, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago that God made the choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Spirit, even as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith? Now therefore, why do you tempt God to put a yoke upon the bondage of these disciples which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Now, Today in 2022, with our background religiously, that may not seem like a radical statement. But I can assure you to those who heard that statement back in the first century, it was a remarkable assertion. Peter is telling the Jews who all their lives have served God according to the law of Moses that they're saved in the same way as the worst heathen Gentile. These pagans who once served idols and committed acts of unspeakable sin, they are saved in the same way and on the same conditions as those who tried to serve God faithfully. And that just simply means that no matter what your sin was, you're saved in the same way that everyone else is. Everyone in the kingdom is equal because God's grace makes it equal. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, Paul said, For I say through the grace that's been given unto me to every man among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, Paul is here speaking from a grace perspective. He's telling us that we're no better than anybody else is, nor are we worse. But in Christ Jesus, every person is saved the same way. No matter how good, no matter how evil your past may be, grace will save you just as it saved others. But we need to remember and keep in mind, as wonderful and as marvelous and as amazing as grace is, 
Grace will only save a person in Christ Jesus. And to get into Christ Jesus, one must be baptized into Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27. And to be in Christ is the exact same thing as to be in his church, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. Over in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, Paul says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he has loved us, for when we were dead in sins, he has made us alive together with Christ. For by grace are you saved. You see, grace gives everyone the same chance at redemption so that no person can ever boast before God about being better or, or more deserving than the other person. That's why Ephesians 2 and verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so you see, God's grace can do it. God's grace can save anyone. In the second place, though, I want you to understand that God's grace can justify anyone. You know, when a person renders or surrenders to Jesus by obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, a wonderful event occurs. That individual, when he obeys the gospel, is made just before God. And that justification doesn't take place because, you know, the person is good enough. It doesn't take place because that person deserves it. It takes place because God offers them grace and mercy through the death of Jesus Christ. Over in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, Paul said, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Christ Jesus, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. You see, in place of the old law of works and performance, God brings to us a salvation that's based upon our trust in the death of his son. And since we are all sinners, none of us could save ourselves. We were in a horrible situation before Jesus Christ. We were hopeless. We were helpless. We were totally unable to do anything to possibly save ourselves. And so God sent Jesus to die in your place and in mine. And at that moment, we are free from sin. We're made righteous before God when we are baptized into his death and when we continue a life of faithfulness. And yet the best part about all this is that we're no longer subject to God's anger because of our sin. Where there was once enmity and strife between us and God because of that barrier of sin... In place of that, there's now peace. Romans 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein you stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, God's grace allows us to stand in God's presence without fear. Grace means that I now have peace with God so that my sin, my former rebellion, are no longer held against me. That slate has been wiped clean and I can stand comfortably in God's presence. You see, God's grace emboldens me to come to God. Since I am now in a safe condition because of my obedience to the gospel, having contacted the precious blood of Jesus, I can now approach the throne of God and I can approach that throne without fear. In fact, I can come to him boldly in spite of my weaknesses, in spite of my many shortcomings. That's why we read in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. But he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, when I need grace and mercy, when I need forgiveness, I come to God boldly. And I don't come to God boldly because I deserve anything. I don't come to God boldly because of how good I am or how better I am than somebody else is. I come to God boldly only because of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for me. And I don't approach his throne of justice. I approach his throne of grace, knowing that Jesus stands at God's side, ready and willing to justify and to save. I have peace with God. When I have peace with God, I have peace in my life. I have peace with other people. In fact, by giving my life to God in obedience to Jesus Christ through the grace found in our Lord, I allow grace to reign in my life. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 21, Paul said, For as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's understand today that God's grace can justify anyone. But then let me suggest as well today that God's grace can keep everyone saved. Now you'll recall when Paul was leaving the elders from the Ephesian church, he admonished them in many ways, but he also warned them about false teachers. He warned those elders about wolves that would enter the flock, not sparing the sheep. And he tells them how to best counter the attack of these false teachings and teachers. Listen to what Paul said in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. He said, now I commend you to 
God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Paul tells these godly men to commit themselves to the word of God's grace. And you know, when people want to fall back on man-made laws, when people want to fall back and follow man-made traditions, we need to once again recommit to the word of his grace. As Paul would say in Galatians 1 and verse 8, though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And when folks want today to abuse grace by saying that we're saved by grace alone and there's nothing else involved in salvation but grace itself, when we hear that, we need to once again recommit ourselves to studying and knowing the word of his grace. When people today want to use God's grace and God's mercy as an excuse just to keep on sinning, as Paul talked about in Romans 5 and verse 20, we are to lean again on the righteousness that comes through grace. Whenever you may hear a preacher, and you may hear some preachers today talk about how that we in the church have never really understood grace. You'll hear some folks maybe tell you today that we've just recently discovered what grace is all about, and we haven't really understood and taught grace in the past. When you hear that, you know that we need to recommit ourselves to the word of his grace. It's the word of his grace that can keep us from faltering and falling away from God. You know, people who come to God through obedience to Jesus Christ, they understand and realize that they're without any hope whatsoever. You think about an individual who is in the middle of a great body of water, unable to maybe swim anymore, struggling to stay afloat, hoping and yearning that someone will come by and maybe throw out a lifeline to them that they might be saved. But you can imagine what it would be like to be in that situation and nobody was there to save you. What a hopeless and helpless situation. But that's the exact situation that all of us were in before Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. We were without any hope whatsoever without Christ and his saving grace. But then sometimes I'm afraid that people who've come to Christ, that people who are now faithfully serving Christ, they begin to think how well they're doing in living the Christian life. And all of a sudden, they begin to come up with the idea, they begin to think that their salvation can only be maintained, it can only be preserved as they live a good enough life. But we need to understand that what saved us was not our works, and what's going to keep us saved will not be our works. Now, certainly we have to be faithful. 
Certainly we must be submissive to the will of God. We have to be obedient to God's will. But we need to understand that it's not because of our works that we're going to be saved. It's not because of anything that we actually do that leads to merit so that we deserve to be saved. But instead, we're saved by the grace of God. Grace saved us from our sins. And grace will keep us saved as long as we're walking in the light as he is in the light. The Bible says in Romans 5 and verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein you stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, my confidence to approach God's throne has nothing to do with my ability to live a good enough life. I'm never going to be good enough to deserve to be in the presence of a holy and pure God. But thankfully, through God's grace, I was justified. Through God's grace, peace was created so that I could once again stand before God. And when I enter God's presence, I stand not on my own performance, but I stand on God's grace. See, God's grace is amazing. God's grace can keep anyone saved. But lastly, I want to suggest to you today that God's grace can reach you. Should not a wonderful gift like God's grace be eagerly accepted? You know, if Walmart were to announce that everybody who goes to Walmart between 1 and 2 o'clock this afternoon will get a free television, there wouldn't be anybody around, would they? They'd be all at Walmart lined up so eager to get a, a new television. Why aren't people eager to have the grace of God? The marvelous grace of God is something that all of us ought to want and desire. And when you die to sin, when you're saved from your past sins through the act of baptism, and you now have peace with God, that is, you're justified, then you can confidently stand before God and his grace. Let me quickly ask the question, how can one be saved? How can one become in grace, having access to God's grace. Well, look at what Paul said about the reign of grace in Romans 5 and verse 21. This is a verse you ought to really keep close to your heart. The Bible says that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so grace might reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Christ Jesus our Lord. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Do you not know that so many of us as that were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Here Paul tells us very simply how that we come into and how we have access to God's grace. When we understand our sins, when we understand our eternal plight, and we're willing to submit to the Lord, when we're willing to trust him for our salvation, it's in that act of baptism, that burial in water where we emulate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're buried with our Lord in baptism just as he was buried. And it's in that act of baptism by faith that the blood of Jesus washes away our sins and we arise from that grave just like Jesus did victoriously on the third day. And we are then a new creation. It is then that I can confidently stand before God. I can confidently understand that I'm now saved by the grace of God and it's by nothing that I have done in and of myself. You know, anyone, anyone, anywhere can have access to God's grace when that individual is willing to obey the gospel. You can continue in that wonderful grace by walking in newness of life and remaining faithful so that you might receive the crown of life. You know, God's grace is truly marvelous. In just a few minutes, we are, are going to partake of the Lord's Supper. That memorial, the bread and the fruit of the vine, every first day of the week, not on just one day of the week, but every first day of the week, we come together, we partake of the Lord's Supper, and every week it reminds us of how powerful grace is. It reminds us of what Jesus did for us as he gave his body on that cross and his blood was spilt that our sins might be saved. And we remember that he arose victoriously over the grave itself, signifying to us our victory in the future. What a marvelous thing God's grace is. We sing that beautiful song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. I was blind, but now I see. God's grace can save anyone. God's grace can justify anyone. God's grace can keep anyone saved. And God's grace can reach you. This morning, if you're subject to the invitation, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.
sing a song at this time to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. Number 922 in your books. Jesus paid it all. the container with the bread and the juice please hold your hands and our ushers will supply that to you as I was sitting back there listening to the sermon today I couldn't keep from thinking about that first Lord's Supper that Jesus instituted in that upper room I was thinking about the apostles when Jesus got And he took the bread and he broke it and he passed it around to each one of them. I'm sure walking around to them. And then he took the cup and he passed that around. Don't you wonder what those men thought he was doing? I bet they thought it. Goodness. Why is he saying remembering his body? I just suspect that they didn't know what he was doing. But just a very few days later... When Jesus rose from the dead on that Sunday morning, which changed everything, when it split the curtain in the Holy of Holies, when it changed from the time that people worshiped from Saturday to Sunday, they understood what he was talking about when he said, remember my body. No, Jesus didn't tell them how often to take this. 
But boy, they sure did. They told the churches all over the world to take it on the first day of the week, the day that Jesus was resurrected. Now we have the opportunity to take this bread and remember his body and take this fruit of the vine and remember his blood. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to thee so very thankful for your son, Jesus Christ, so very thankful for his body that he was willing to sacrifice and hang on that cruel cross that I don't even understand what the pain must have been, but he was willing to do that so that through his death and his burial and his glorious resurrection that we walking here in Boonville, Mississippi today could have hope of everlasting life. Help us to take this in a manner that would be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You would go with me in prayer, thanking for Jesus' blood. Father, we come to you again in like manner, thanking you for the blood that flowed in Jesus' vein and for the blood that he was so willing to allow to be strode on this earth that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, we could have eternal life. He did it all for us. And let's remember that if we take this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to go to Father in prayer, thanking Him for those blessings that we have of jobs and all the things that cause us to be able to have money. And... Uh, and if we return a portion of that, a lot of ways to do it, uh, but we want to thank God for the ability to have that money to, to give back to Him. Father in heaven, thank you for the blessings of life. Thank you for blessing us to live in a prosperous place, in a prosperous community. But Father, help us, <clears throat> help us to remember that the widow that gave one penny gave more than all. It's not the dollar amount that we give, it's the heart that we give it with. And help us to remember this and give a portion to the, back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. If you're visiting with us, we hope you come back at any opportunity you may have. Uh, we had 228 here this morning, which is very, very low. But like we say, we've got a bunch from Lads to Leaders coming back today from Little Rock. And uh, uh, we pray that they have a safe way home.
landmark nursing home is today the devotional at four o'clock. Congratulations to Ben and Joanne Roberts who celebrates their 50th wedding anniversary and they've done that this past Friday. That would have been April 15th of 72. That's right, tax day. I was four and a half years old. That's been a long time. High school juniors and seniors and their families were invited to the junior-senior banquet hosted uh, by Zion's Rest on the 30th of April. Seniors need to fill out a form in the foyer. And then all high school seniors need to sign the, the sheet in the foyer, also uh, seniors from here. Uh, youth and Family Retreat is May the 6th through the 8th. Guest speaker is Ralph Gilmore. Uh, all teens and their families are welcome. $35 per person. Please sign the form in the foyer. And then also next Sunday, 5 o'clock, we will host the area-wide uh, youth area-wide youth next Sunday. Uh, the congregation is asked to bring desserts for the fellowship meal. And then pantry item this week is mac and cheese. And the closed closet will be open April 21st. We also have the Living with Loss workshop that I'm, I'm sure you've seen the flyers. Uh, it is Saturday, April 30th, Sunday, May the 1st, and that is with Dean Miller. Everyone is invited. Please come. If there is no more announcements, uh, if you will, uh, bow your heads and I'll, uh, uh, we'll be dismissed. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you so much for all you do for us. We thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for this Lord's day that we can come and study more about thy word. Thank you for your amazing grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.